Hello and welcome to Charity Chats episode 6. I'm Sam Davies and I'm here with my colleague, collaborator and friend, Vicky Bratherton. Hi. Today we're talking about ethics in charity and this is quite a, another expansive topic. Mm. You know, what is ethics? And it's uh, something that I thought I knew the answer to, but... Actually, there was quite a lot of different definitions about what ethics means. And one of the ones I liked uh, was the difference between morals, ethics and laws. Morals, one's personal beliefs about right and wrong. Ethics, standards or codes of behaviour expected of an individual by a group. And laws, systems of rule that tells us what we can and cannot do. Ethics, moral principles that govern a person's behaviour or the conducting of an activity. That was another thing that I saw. Mm, interesting. And I guess uh, ethics will come from morals, essentially, won't they? Because if mm. you have you know, standards or codes of behaviour that are expected of an individual by a group, that group is made up of individuals who have personal beliefs about what's right and wrong. So morals are kind of, the, the I guess, the, uh, the foundation stone of ethics. Absolutely. Here's a good quote from Albert Camus. Uh, he said, A man without ethics is a wild beast loosed upon the world. And charity without ethics is also a wild beast loosed upon the world. Well, that's true, <laughs> exactly. A beast destined to uh, to not make it, I think. We talked about this, I think, back in the first podcast, but just to give everybody a, an idea of what we're talking about in terms of the charity sector, roughly 800,000 people in the UK work in the voluntary sector. So when we're talking about ethics, we're not only talking about ethics of a few charities, we're talking about quite a lot of charities, 180,000 um, and uh, and also quite a lot of people as well. It's I mean it's a huge mm. employer of people in the UK, isn't it? The charity sector. It certainly is, yeah, and it's growing as well. Yeah, Important to say. So the the, the non not for profit sector is um is a is a growing sector, and um, so ethics becomes even more important if we need to, you know, keep keep our sector running as it should and keep the heart within the charity sector particularly. Later, we'll hear an interview with Kathy Roddy, um, and she really kind of outlines um, kind of why charity needs to be seen as particularly ethical uh, compared to companies. But there is a there was a quote again that I saw on the website of the Illinois Institute of Technology. It said, "Donors and volunteers support charitable organisations because they trust them to carry out their missions, to be good stewards of their resources, and to uphold rigorous standards of conduct." And I think when we're talking about ethics, you know, charities are seen by many as being, you know, kind of the standard bearers of ethics and morals and and, and being trusted is quite key to uh, a charity's success. I think it's it's important to highlight the fact there that, you know, donors and volunteers support organisa- charitable organisations because they trust them to carry out their missions. And I think with all the, all the furore that's happening in the media at the moment, I think trust in charities is is beginning to be lost a little bit in terms of specifically in terms of the way that charities fundraise um but all, and so that you know will bring about questions about the work that the charity is doing are they doing it in an ethical way because if they're not being 100 percent ethical if the wider public don't view their fundraising practices as ethical it's going to draw out questions about everything else isn't it so it's important that Charities work hard to keep the the trust of their donors and their volunteers. You know, recently, obviously, there have been a lot of uh, negative media reports of charities, negative media coverage of charity activities. 
in some cases that's absolutely uh, right because you know charities have made mistakes and it's right to bring those up but it seems to be slightly unfairly weighted towards those few stories of bad practice comparing to all the many thousands of charities that are doing well but even in you know the recent etherington review which is looking at kind of fundraising practices uh, there's a quote here britain is a generous society with a strong tradition of philanthropic action in turn there is tremendous though not inexhaustible public goodwill towards britain's charities as such they have a privileged status in society with this comes a responsibility to live up to the very highest standards. Most charities are conscious of this and strive to work to high standards in everything that they do. Absolutely. And I think it's great that, um, you know, Stuart Etherington picks up on the fact that most charities are conscious um, of this and strive to work to high standards. But I think he makes a really good point when he says there is tremendous, though not inexhaustible, public goodwill towards Britain's charities. I think everybody who works in a charity is aware that we, we all we all need to bring in the income for our, all of our very worthy charities mm. but how we do that I think we just need to get smart in the way that we do that and not just you know constantly ask 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 for money but to build relationships with our supporters and to learn what are their motivations for giving and to, to understand that and to listen to them. You, you make a very um, good point there though that uh often you know how we look at companies and how we look at charities is quite different and I think ethics is maybe the difference there isn't it it's you know you mm -hmm. can look at I mean part of ethics are kind of legal rules and um, society says that certain um, morals and ethics need to be upheld by law but I think with charities there, there's a lot of stuff which we'll touch on shortly um, which doesn't have legal judgments on so there's much more interpretation but I think it's yeah. probably just as important to supporters, isn't it? You know, so things like whether a charity is seen to be contradicting its aims in terms of we've got a few examples here. I think one was recently Survival International has launched a formal complaint about the activities of the World Wild Fund for Nature. Uh, everyone knows mm. this, the WWF. Well, not the mm. WWF, not the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> <Not Wrestling>, but, <laughs> yeah. Very, but very different. That's a different thing. <laughs> uh, and we, we won't talk about them today. But WWF, because they made a complaint to the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, and uh, and I suppose it's summed up in what direct, their survival's director, Stephen Corey, has said, which is WWF knows that the men its supporters fund for conservation work repeatedly abuse and even torture the backer whose land has been stolen for conservation zones. It hasn't stopped them, and it treats criticism as something's being countered with yet more public relations. It calls on companies to stick to the same OECD guidelines. It routinely violates itself. Both conservation and development have been allowed to trump human rights for decades, and millions of people in Africa and Asia have suffered as a result. It's time the big conservation organisations got their act together. If WWF really can't stop the guards it funds in Cameroon from attacking Baca, then perhaps it should be asking itself if it has any right to be there at all. There's obviously a bit of a conflict there in terms of kind of Survival International's remit and aims and, and those of WWF. Very interesting because I think, you know, in terms of the, the WWF's aims, it's um, obviously it's a charity that supports the, the conservation of animals and animals' environments, but, um, you know, having the the backer obviously human human population that aren't you know they are they are not supporting those people who are just as you know important it's good that it's been picked up um and sort of showcased in that way um but you could argue that because 
WWF supports animals, not humans. Mm. It's actually not going against its own ethics. But is it morally right? Going back to an individual's point of view, is it morally right to do that? No, of course not. You know, you can't sort of make humans suffer. The whole point of conservation is finding a way for humans and wildlife to live alongside each other harmoniously. There's another example here that the Nature Conservancy has accepted millions of dollars from British Petroleum, um, also known as BP, and is currently working with BP to ensure their oil exploration efforts in the West are done sustainably. Again, seen as quite a uh, potentially a conflict of, of ethics there that a uh, charity whose aims to um, protecting the planet is, is actually linking up with you know, British Petroleum, who obviously, um, well, as many people have seen in, in news over the last few years, have a bit of a, a history of polluting destroying... Polluting the planet. <laughs> polluting the planet. I was going to say destroying the planet. Yeah, polluting the planet. But again, I suppose this is an example of organisations working with, uh, charities working with uh, business, you know, trying to change things from the inside out. If there are companies that are looking to give money to charity, as long as it doesn't directly contradict what your charity does as an organisation, why not take the money? Mm. Well, if, it, if it means that it's going to help you know, the people that you are, or the people or whatever cause it is that you, you're there to support, if it's going to help you in your charitable aims, and doesn't cause a direct conflict, is it such a bad thing? There's been a lot of stuff recently in, in, here in the UK um, in papers around the salaries of charity workers and especially chief execs. I think there's a there's a good TED talk that I've seen three or four times now by a chap called Dan Palotta, who's a, an American guy and who I think his background was in organising large, really large-scale events. And uh, mm. he, he makes a really good case about the fact that, you know, you need to, I suppose, ultimately, in a nutshell, you need to speculate to accumulate. And if you mm. cut corners on that, you know, kind of the costs of things, like, like large-scale events, then you ultimately won't raise as much for the charity you're trying to raise money for. I have to say I, I agree with that statement that, it, you know, it does take money to make money. But when, if you're talking about things like events, there are ways around it. You can get, a, you know, one of your corporate sponsors to sponsor an event, a big event to yeah. help with the costs of that. So you're still, you know, putting the putting the money where it should go makes the corporates look good. So it's a good excuse for you to, you know, get them and bring their contacts along, etc., etc. That is, that's a real, real challenge, isn't it, for charities? I think until things change, and, and I th- hope that they will actually. I think you know, hopefully, perception will change and pe- people will be more forgiving of charities spending money on the charity, on the governance structure, or on the advertising of the work they're doing, or whatever it takes. Because you know, really, otherwise, what you're doing is you're tying the hands of fundraisers. I think ethically, you know, charities should always be mindful of. What is their, um, well, we'll talk about ethical policy later, um, but ultimately, what is their aim for the charity? What do they want to achieve? And and whatever then helps them to do that, as long as it's fitting within kind of their certain ethical parameters, which they'll outline in a policy, um, and also legal parameters, then um, then I think it's all good. You know, if they can justify it, if they can justify it to an angry supporter or a beneficiary or, you know, their board, then I think that they should potentially consider going ahead with it. Definitely, and I think you know it's really important that the the amount of money that is spent on um, on the workforce of a charity, for example, you know on on staff, um, on learning and development of staff, is really important because you know it's all very well being ethical in in your activities, but if you're not sort of you know 
you don't think ethically and morally about your your staff mm. and getting them getting the best out of your staff if you don't learn develop and help them to grow which takes investment you know you need to get the best people in to get the best results and i think charities should be less afraid of of, of showcasing that in their annual reports for example you know saying you know 70p in every pound goes on our charitable activities that's great but if that means that therefore your staff aren't getting the you know the right Living um, wage, or yeah. Living wage, exactly, and they're not getting the the right investment to help them be the best that they can be. Mm. Then, then what's it for? You're just going to get a high turnover of staff, which means that it's going to take longer for you to achieve your charitable aims because, you know, you're almost starting from scratch every time somebody leaves. So we spoke to Cathy uh, Roddy earlier this week about ethics in charity. Uh, Kathy Roddy of Kathy Roddy Research and Consultancy provides many years of fundraising skills, training, experience to charities and charity professionals. Kathy Roddy, welcome to Charity Chat. So, my first question, Kathy, is there a difference between ethics in charity and ethics in business? Yes, absolutely. Um, mainly because charities and voluntary organisations are values driven. And those values are often embedded in the charitable objects um, that establish the charity in the first place. Many organisations then go on to develop uh, what's called a vision statement, uh, which usually begins with the words, you know, a world in which blah, 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 you know, a world in which everyone has access to clean, fresh drinking water or a world in which there's no cruelty to animals. Um, And then that's often fleshed out in some values statements so they are the ethical beliefs that underpin the work of the entire charity so and uh, all, all charity work is geared towards uh, you know the embodiment of those those values and working towards that vision of a, a better world and that's what charities are very much about um, on the other hand corporates their um, you know the, the nature of a corporate body is that if we're talking about large businesses they their responsibility is to return maximum profit for distribution to their shareholders um, in the, and in the conduct of their business, they simply need to act within the law. So they are very unlike charities. They're not values driven um, in the way, you know, we're, we're, charities have, a, have a, uh, an obligation to work towards and within their values, uh, whereas corporates don't have that same kind of responsibility. What should charities do to ensure that they are behaving ethically? Well, as a starting point, uh, charities need to develop an ethical policy which is approved at board uh, trustee level and really the trustee should be involved in the development of that uh, of that policy. And as with all policies, what would flow from that would be some kind of procedural uh, document or, or a very basic level, some kind of um, checklist and a regular audit of how the organisation is then behaving in relation to that policy. So a starting point for developing an ethical policy would be to look at, first of all, the, you know, the, the charitable objects. What are the organisation's charitable objects? What's the vision? What is the values? And to have a, have a list of, of, of values that underpin the work that the organisation 
does. And then key areas to look into, uh, or if you like to, to audit against that, would be, first of all, would be service delivery. So how does the way in which we deliver our service encapsulate and, and further the values that we that we believe in? So, for example, if you were um, uh, trying to promote young people's independence and independent living, a service which which did things for the young people rather than supporting young people to do things for themselves would actually be undermining the values of independence because if you do something for somebody then you know they're they're not learning how to be independent so so first of all is to look at the service delivery then to look at ethical investment for those charities which have any um, investments of, of their reserves at all it should most certainly be to look at you know where where is that money invested what kinds of companies is that money invested in and are those companies behaving in a way which is at least not conflicting with the values of the organization so for example a cancer research charity would not for example want to have any investment in the tobacco industry um, being the, the cause of the condition that, that the charity deals with and we've begin to, begun to see quite a lot of focus on this area now with the divestment um, movement which is organizations checking their investment portfolios and actually withdrawing investments from for example companies involved in um, fossil fuels so so divesting away from those those types of companies and reinvesting in in more um more ethical companies, so you know, solar power, renewable energy, those kinds of things. So, in looking at investment, the charity also needs to look at things like you know pensions for staff. You know, where are those pension funds being invested? And uh, and some charities certainly have um, ethical pensions for their staff um, as well. So it does mean looking at these things in the round. Um, one of the difficult issues is is banking. You know, where does your charity actually bank? And um, you know, because many of the banks will use uh, money, you know, to invest in in a range of activities which which may not be congruent with the values of the charity. Uh, and then the third area that would need to be looked at in relation to the ethical policy would be the fundraising methods that the charity is using um, to generate the, the, the income that it needs to help its beneficiaries. And really, uh, a charity should look at the current law and legislation. I mean, one, one ethical point to make is that, you know, a statement along the lines that the, the charity will always abide by um, fundraising legislation and regulation and uh, and any other regulations that affect uh, charitable fundraising. So they, they, those are the three key areas um, to look at an organisation's activity by reference to an ethical policy. How can charities ensure that their supply chain staff and commercial partners behave ethically and how important is this? Well, I think it can be very important. When you say supply chains, it depends who's supplying what. Um, let, let me start, before going into that, let's start with staff. Uh, my, my feeling is that, my view is that, that staff should agree with the vision and values of the organisation, of the charity that they're working for. Um, and if they if they don't, I think that makes it very difficult uh, for, um, for for staff to perform their, their, their work really well and can create conflict within the organization and there does need to be the agreement of the vision and values amongst uh, all of the trustees as well um, and I, but i think that's a simple one that can be picked it's, it's something that can be picked up in an interview situation at, at recruitment to ask some kind of question around 
um, how applicants feel about the, the visions and values of the organisation. So I think that's that's quite important and quite a simple one. With supply chains, it depends what the supply relates to, you know, in your uh, in relation to your call. So for example, um, if there were a charity that were campaigning to um, end, for example, intensive farming, the intensive farming of animals, um, and it held an event, um, it would want to make sure that the food served at that event was raised, uh, you know, non-intensively, um, because otherwise that would create a, a real conflict between the values of the organisation and then its actual manifestation in practice. And a charity that was promoting, for example, organic food would, wouldn't want to be serving non-organic food at an event. So in those kinds of situations, um, the suppliers become very, very important. And uh, it's supply chain should really be dealt with within the context of the of the ethical policy you know what kinds of supplies and goods and services does the charity buy in and which of those could create a conflict with the with the ethics and values of the organization but in other respects it it, it can be immaterial um so if, you know if you if you're using a firm of um accountants for example who may well have lots and lots of um, other clients, it's, it's very unlikely that that would cause any kind of ethical uh, problem or, or conflict with values. Um, so I think it depends on what's what's being supplied. The difficulty with all of this is more on a practical level um, when it comes to researching in terms of businesses who owns who. So um, you know you might have identified a wonderful. Uh, ethical supplier um, or what you think is an ethical supplier only to find that they're actually owned by a company whose business activities you wouldn't agree with so that becomes quite a, a, a piece of work to actually research what are the the ethics and values and practices not only of the companies that you're dealing with but any parent companies and indeed any subsidiary companies that they own themselves how will ethics in charity change in the future and why I think in, in terms of the future and how ethics will change in the future, I feel that actually there's a real danger of the ethical, or in inverted commas, ethical debate actually being led by public opinion rather than by um, charity business sense, um, as it were. So some of the complaints that we've seen in the media have related to uh, you know, charity overhead costs, uh, the salaries being paid um, in charities and I think there's a real danger as Dan Pelota who, uh, who gave that marvellous talk why the way we think about charity is all wrong and I'm, I'm taking this quote from him uh, that says we're in danger of confusing morality with frugality uh, and to give an example of that you know if charities are required to keep their overhead costs down that will probably mean less investment in fundraising which will mean the charity will raise less so it can actually help fewer people. So we need to, in some cases, increase our overhead costs, or some charities need to increase their overhead costs quite significantly to invest in fundraising so that they can raise more money to help more people. Equally, on the point of salaries, um, you know, it's not easy to, to run a charity. Uh, you know, the, the regulation that's involved with managing a charity, managing staff, managing the finances, managing service delivery. We want to attract the best people into the sector, and if salaries are kept very very low then there's a real danger that that we won't attract the best people into the sector uh, and that would have an impact on our effectiveness as a sector so I think the debate's been very skewed and and 
just simply focused on you know how much money is being spent on overheads on salaries etc um, this this notion of focusing on you know being quite frugal when actually that's going to be in many situations totally counterproductive and will have a very damaging negative knock-on effect for beneficiaries so I think that that's the real danger is that the ethics are being made up a little bit on the hoof in response to public and media opinion and again to give an example of that in the Etherington review the fundraising review um, I read with some um, um, surprise a statement that says people have a right not to be asked uh, this is in the fundraising con context, and I thought, wow, where where does that come from? You know, if we talk about kind of basic rights that people have, um, that's a new one on me, um, and that's that was just presented as a statement. I don't know what the debate or, or the logic or the thinking is behind that statement, but you know, just on a simple level, how does that, for example, relate to freedom of speech? You know, these these potential ethical conflicts about our rights haven't been considered uh, really at all. Certainly not in the in the public domain. So, um, yeah, that that's my that's my fear, if you like, for the future that that the debate will be led by public opinion. Kathy Roddy, thank you so much for contributing to Charity Chats. My pleasure. I thought it was a really interesting interview, Vicky. What did you think? I thought it was great and she raised some really uh, good points Some the things that I hadn't even really thought about in terms of ethics and charities. I mean, we've, we've talked obviously about ethical and, you know, ethical aims of the, the charity itself as an organisation. But um, she spoke really, you know, really co coherently about sort of ethical investments in terms of things like staff pensions. Are the investments that are being made by the, the staff pension provider are they ethical? Mm. Um, and I'd never sort of really thought about it or drilled down that, that deeply before. Um, and similarly, banking, you know, the, the bank that the charity uses to, you know, hold all the, the, what the cash that it's got that it then sends out to the causes, um, yeah. is that behaving ethically? It was, you know, the fundraising, fundraising methods and the actual actions of the charity are quite obvious, but drilling that deeply down was, um, was really interesting, I thought. Obviously, there's the perception of the charity so when it comes to bank accounts if you're asking supporters to pay money directly into your bank account which uh, most charities do then you know if, if that bank is seen as a ethically unsound bank in the in in general life and and you know in the papers and things like that then you know is that a bit of a risk to reputation there's so many charities you, you'll call them up and you want to do an event and you'll get a running vest or a t-shirt or other materials how uh, important is it for those charities to source those um, ethically through you know are they made uh, by fair trade organizations and companies are they organic is that something that the charity uh, needs to needs to think about you know I, I think all of this stuff needs to go into what um, Kathy Roddy called a uh, ethical policy uh, which needs to yeah. be signed off at board level. Charity should its priority be to get the best value it can i.e to source the cheapest event materials, running vests or cycling jerseys, whatever, um, is it is it their responsibility to source the cheapest so that, you know, less money is spent on those items? Or is it um or should they prioritise how how ethical they are if they're fair, fair trade or organic, which as we know tend to be more expensive because they are paying a fair you know, paying a fair wage um to the to the people to the manufacturers. Yeah. So that's a that's a very um important point one of the things to have in your ethical policy would be things like a gift acceptance policy mm -hmm. um you know if you're a cancer 
charity, would you ever accept a gift from a tobacco company? Would that be too damaging to reputation? Would that be ethically wrong as far as your charity is concerned? And in which case, what do you then do? How do you respond to that offer of a donation? So I think, you know, the, the advice to charities really is to draw up an ethical policy if you don't have one already, get it signed off by your board, and then how you communicate that, well, you know, it'll potentially, you put that in your, um, be part of your governing document, which we talked about in the first podcast, and uh, on your website, um, one good example that I saw um, was Marie Curie's uh, ethical statements. So, listeners, it's uh, time for you to interact with Charity Chat. Um, we're going to put a couple of conundrums in Charity Ethics to you. And what we'd love for you to do is, um, once you listen to the podcast, uh, we have a LinkedIn page, Facebook page and um, and website where we can take comments. So um, get in touch and tell us what you think about these conundrums. So, first of all, conundrum number one, um, is it important for a charity to spend money on ethically made and sourced materials, for example, event t-shirts, that may be more costly, or should they be getting the best value for money that they can and go for the cheapest option? Conundrum number two, if your charity is carrying out activities that will support your beneficiaries, but may negatively affect other groups of people, is this right? Or should you consider all groups of people when you're with your charitable activities? Put your comments on our, on our LinkedIn page or Facebook page, look for Charity Chat Podcast, or you can email them to our website and we'll post them up. Um, we'd love to hear from you. The overriding thing I think needs to come out of this is that charities need to be thinking about these ethical d- debates, you know, and, and yeah. kind of these, these issues, and they need to have a policy. We hope you enjoyed this month's podcast on ethics in charity. Um, as always, we've only had time to touch on it, and, uh, you know, we'd be very... Um, open to receiving any feedback from you the listener uh, you can contact us through our website www.charitychat.org.uk or our, or our facebook page charity chat podcast uh, we're also on linkedin and twitter as well so we're uh, omnipresent on social media say hello to our listeners in japan australia and uh, america what are we going to talk about next month, Phoebe? Uh, next month is um, one I'm particularly looking forward to because it's uh, the, the sector that, or the area that I work in, and that is uh, high-value fundraising um, and major gifts. Tune well, in. Yeah, tune in. <laughs> be there or be unsuccessful at major donor fundraising, potentially. Um, okay, well, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Red Dog Music, for sponsoring our podcast kit. Forest of Fools, who will shortly be playing us out and have been playing throughout the show, and also RR Yard Photography for putting lovely photos on our website, which you can find charitychat.org.uk. Speak to you next month. Cheerio! Bye!